Welcome to Control-Alt-Revolt, the podcast. This is episode 33. To the haters who said we could never make it here. Here we are. Here we are. You don't want us here? Then there's where we're going to be. We're going to be all over there. We're going to be on the shuffleboard court. We're going to be at all your parties. We're going to be driving around your streets. We're going to be be drinking your coffee. Today we're drinking a Keen coffee. No, uh, uh, Phil's. Phil's. Yeah. And we even had a, a, a coffee time treat to of go with it. Russian tea cake. Your cookies. dark masters. Those are really good. We don't usually do that, but I saw them at our bakery and I was like, whoa. You got a little thing for those. I do. <laughs> I really like those. So, and we're usually good. So I'm like, oh, we don't usually do this. You told me that uh, when you were a cheerleader in high school, the sugar, the powdered donuts. <laughs> yeah, that was stupid. I don't know why. We had a break. Uh, and then they kind of did away with the break, but my freshman year, there was like a break between second and third period, with, like before lunch, kind of in between when you arrive and when you have lunch, there was a break. And like my, my uh, gymnast friend and I, yeah, we would like get in line and like most days get like a <laughs> package of Hostess powdered donuts. I think we would share, I'm pretty sure. But like, I was like, what was, what were we thinking? Like, it's <laughs> like. Like, you don't need that. And you like, guys weren't Between fatties. breakfast and lunch. I know. You guys were hot. Well, but, like, I think if we would have let that continue, yeah, continue. Uh, things might have shifted after a while. So you, so you evaluated. Yeah, I think so, actually. You said, yeah. what are we doing? Did your friendship break up after that? No. No, it Was didn't. it a, a friendship forged only on powdered sugar donuts? No, we had, we had been friends a long time Because ago. I've had those kind of friendships. <laughs> yeah. Once it was over, you're like, well, I guess that's it. Guess we don't have anything else in common. We were Defender <laughs> buddies, and now we don't play Defender anymore, so see you later. Yeah. And then it's always weird because you awkwardly run into those people later. And yeah. then you're like, remember that summer we played Defender all summer long? We always met at the, the uh, 7-Eleven, got a Coke Slurpee, Cherry Slurpee, played Defender for a couple hours, maybe even went to the movies. Then the Defender machine went away, then our friendship fell apart. Exactly. Now here we are with knives in a parking lot at 11:30 outside of Bennigan's. <laughs> exactly. It sort of reminds me of Seinfeld when like Elaine and George they realized like they were on, their friendship was only really in that they were both friends with Jerry and if they had to be alone it was like really awkward because <laughs> there really wasn't anything <laughs> they there. They would just talk about Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> that was the basis of their friendship. I've yeah. had that friendship too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't know if I have can't think of it. Yeah, I was the Kramer once in a sort of quadruple of friends. I could definitely see you being the Kramer. Yeah. I was an Elaine in a group of friends. It is as weird. In, like I, I think, was friends with yeah. some guys that were friends. And I, I think was, we all have that chick. those seminal sort of friend experiences, and then, and then it's weird. Kind of after that friendship experience, kind of disintegrates. You find yourself not forming those kind of friend groups anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You realize like uh, friends are kind of a hassle. Well, I mean, yeah. I, at this point in my life, I just think, like, they just, they don't last in the way that, like, a good marriage or something lasts, you know what I mean? So, yeah. maybe for some people they do, but a lot of times they kind of come and go, so. So, what are we talking about today? Well, we are talking about, um, I think we mentioned it briefly, it's kind of um, not a really well-known guy, but this Robin Minotti um, who we kind of found through Eric Clapton's testimony about the vaccine. Yeah. Vaccine's kind of blowing up. Things are, are getting a little bit out of control. The uh, 
incidence of harm is going up from these various reports. People are... I just posted something on Facebook about a little girl who was in the vaccine trials. And she is now in a wheelchair. She has memory loss. Seems to be pretty heavily damaged from it. Um, she has some sort of tube. I wasn't familiar with the tube, but it names... An what NG kind of tube. tube or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But it's funny. I have... Uh, I get vaccine checked on a lot of my social media posts. And then I have these people who feel the need to vaccine check anything that I say. You know, they're going to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so I posted the picture and the link to the mom's Twitter and like, and it got a, it got a, it got a COVID warning. And it's like, but this is the woman's testimony of Mm -hmm. taking her perfectly healthy daughter to get a vaccine shot and then having her all fall apart at once and then having them put on the medical paperwork adverse reaction to vaccine and it's still you know like going back to that bill maher comment where he said stop fact checking us we're on the internet trying to fact check and the answer is obvious they are not fact checking us no this is a plan this is moving towards a conclusion you would have to be an idiot not to see this now this is not about a vaccination this is not about you know fighting something off uh because California leads the way, Los Angeles already yesterday went to back to masks because of the Delta variant. There's no science on the Delta variant. There's nothing going on. All the numbers are down, but they're forcing people back into the mass. I do believe at the end of the day, there is some financial reason for them doing this. And I think the power is addictive. And what we're going to talk about today um, is a guy named Robin Minotti, who is sort of a ground zero for people i think really in the uk who are rising up and rebelling against the lockdowns rebelling against the vaccine and england rebelling against brexit or actually pro-brexit and rebelling against the establishment trying to keep them locked down you're not hearing about that on the news you are not hearing about the massive riots that are sweeping europe right those would be more considered massive protests right like are they protests and riots riots, yeah but it was pretty severe in england last weekend yeah. But of course, our media won't cover that because they don't want you to know that everything is not fine. What they do want you to hear is a constant litany that you're stupid somehow because you have questions, um, that you're, uh, you need to be banned, you need to be forced, you need to be all these things that they think to arrive at an outcome that is supposed to be a health procedure, that is supposed to save lives that people should want to take to save their lives, and they can't even make this case. And as I had heard kind of an unconfirmed thing today, I've heard that there are actually now more deaths in Australia from the vaccine than there are actually from the virus. Yeah. And that was just heard, like, out and about at lunch. Like, we heard a a couple youngish guys uh, talking about it, and we were kind of like, oh, yay, other people who were you know, awake. <laughs> yeah. So I think like, I, I think one of the things to, you know, maybe advance the conversation to is to, that it really isn't a health crisis as in, I'm not saying there's not a virus, but what we are seeing is that the left use this at the minimum, that the left use this as an opportunity to take power one from the temporary, which was really Trump, but two, to achieve the long term, which is really the sort of more control over society, the things that they want to. That's the minimum. The minimum thing that we can accept is they saw an opportunity. The maximum thing that we can accept, which is 
absolutely monstrous and horrifying even to say it to me and i think you would agree mm-hmm. is that it's um wow a giant sorry spider. i got, I is got it distracted. a bee or is it a spider it's a big old spider i feel like yeah and i'm kind of afraid it can he, get in he somehow. just landed on our windshield <laughs> and he is like hey there I'm a big spidey spy. What if he put um, the windshield wipers on? Well, it would crush him and streak it. Let's just see if he goes away. Oh, man. I'm scared he's going to get in. Okay. I'm going to do him. You're going to see please. live murder on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, no. It's... Oh, no. Can he get in? <laughs> <laughs> no. He can't get away. He's gone. Okay. Um, but the the, the hor- most horrifying possibility... You can't even focus on this podcast now, can you? I'm going to try my best. The most horrifying thing to even contemplate on this entire thing is that um, that this was done on purpose. Yeah. And I think that is, I mean, I think we're going to arrive at that conclusion. And I think as we get close to that conclusion, and if you look and you follow the details and things like that, that's when you're going to see things begin to get crazy. I think the reason to go back to masks in Los Angeles, if you listen to the messaging, I think we talked about this a little yesterday, but it is to say... You all have to go back into masks because the unvaccinated people don't want to go in to to be vaccinated. So they're the ones making you sick. They're the dirty anti-vaxxers. And then I I really do think you're actually going to see condoned violence. Wow. You know, and and, and that's that's plays into the playbook, too. You get to martial law. You get to uh, being able to take total and permanent control. Again, you know, citing these uh, these necessary measures so that you can control the election, you know, because of the violence. You don't want people being violent at the election place. And lo and behold, there's another midnight stop and more votes are counted. And again, the Republicans lost. And anybody who disagrees with the establishment is out and all these kind of really wonderful things. I think that's what we're arriving at. And I think it's becoming more clear by the day. So Robin Minotti put together sort of a summary, a 10-point summary of, how would you say it? Kind of like his theory of what it's all about. Um, I don't know. I think it's a very good, plausible theory of how it all happened and who's behind it and what it's all about. I think there are other people who could be involved and whatnot that aren't mentioned here, but I think this is is a very good plausible theory anyway i thought it really made sense all right we'll read it to us baby all right given all evidence the probability is that the following took place and is still taking place number one bill gates bought the world health organization we already know about that we've talked about that um number two the u.s pharmaceutical industrial complex subcontracted the creation of a bioweapon now called sars-cov-2 to the wuhan lab Number three, the pathogen was released during the U.S. presidential campaign so the pharmaceutical industrial complex's puppet president, Joe Biden, could be installed and do whatever he is asked to do by them. Trump was only partially, not fully compliant to Bill Gates and the WHO especially. Number four, the WHO and Bill Gates put pressure on governments to enact measures that led to the deaths of millions who would never have died of COVID-19 without this intervention. Number five, we are witnessing one of the greatest crimes of all time, both the creation and release of a contagious bioweapon, and then the measures to make sure people would die of related things, withdrawal of treatments, overdoses of sedatives, and hydroxychloroquine. Quick note on that, I believe that's referring to 
um, some kind of phony studies that they did on it where they gave people way too high of doses and then they died and then they could say, oh, see, hydroxychloroquine so dangerous. Anyway, done with that side note. Um, and unnecessary blanket use of intubations, etc. Number six, the destruction of small businesses so independent entrepreneurs can't bankroll political candidates who stand against the Great Reset. Number seven. That's a big explaining factor why why the war on, on middle America, because, you know, you see so much of corporate giving trending left and advancing. You know, we've just sat through the boorishness of Pride Month and, you, you know, Main Street America often, you know, knows that their last chance of political giving is their last chance to sort of make a difference at local and even national election laws. And now, you know, you go ahead and you wipe out their businesses. They can't put up, I, you know, like, I think you can look at, like, the amount of small businesses that supported Trump. Mike Lindell is, you know, really a small business. Mm -hmm. He's not a major corporation. And yet the war that big tech and, and the DOJ went to war on this guy who sells pillows mm -hmm. and happens to support Trump, that kind of tells you everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number seven, the almost complete control of mainstream and state media as a propaganda tool of the pharmaceutical industrial complex. Number eight, the quote, vaccines are there to install real-time biosurveillance of people who had them through quote, test and trace certification IDs. The idea is to merge these with e-wallets with UBI central bank digital currency, which can only be spent in central bank approved ways. You can't use it to finance politicians that do not fully support the pharmaceutical industrial complex or the Great Reset. Well, that's just crazy, except you see that, you know, Stripe turns off people that they don't want to do business with. So we already know that they're waging economic warfare on anybody who's not of a mind to get in line with the establishment and head towards the Great Reset. The bio track and trace, I don't know, but I can tell you this, the technology's there. And I will defer to the maxim that single white Medusa is most known for is? If they could, they would, and they can, so they probably did. Yeah, and so why wouldn't they? Like, you know, uh, but, you know, when we get into this whole thing and the magnetic resonance, it, it does seem like science fiction. I'm the first one to agree, but when you, you know, say look at what they're trying to accomplish it makes sense that they would do this it is not outlandish and we know that the collection of data is so important that major tech companies and i have this from a very good source right now um, are waging massive legal litigation against each other for the control of that data because they do believe that the data is sort of the key to the future and it is in a lot. It's also the key to the past, which is the key to the future, rewriting history and things like that. But no more is this, you know, really exemplary. But in um, self-driving cars, that's a major litigation war right now. Um, but data is so important to these companies that if they had, you know, using single white Medusa's maximum, if they had the ability, they would absolutely do it. Now, you can go see the videos, and you can go do the research, and you can look at the patents where they have applied to do these things. Now, why do you think they wouldn't do them? And then we arrive at the vaccine. And actually, we heard a story today of a guy whose family is completely split over the vaccine, and members of the vaccine uh, who have the vaccine of the family are forcing other members, if they want to see Pop-Pop die, you know, his last moment, you got to get the vaccine. So we're seeing that level of just, you know, complete 
idiocy. And, um, but when you say to them, like, you know that if you are vaccinated, one, you should be safe from the vaccine. But two, like when you talk to people and this is this is not a disputed fact, like this is this is what doctors and scientists will tell you. This is not up for debate. And I don't mean to sound like them as in the science is settled, but the vaccine doesn't protect you from the virus. It just mitigates the symptoms so that you don't end up in the hospital. So I would say at the end of the day, why is it so important to have the vaccine? Why would a WHO official say we only have one month left to get everybody vaccinated to make a difference before the Delta variant hits? What is it that is so important that they are spending so much cachet creating this division and strife, destroying people's lives, and in the case of the 12-year-old girl, and this is not an isolated you know, story, destroying people's futures for a vaccine that does not vaccinate? And you made the good point at lunch that that, that that about that strange statement of we only have one month, you know, for it to take effect against the Delta variant. But then at other times really recently, they've said this vaccine might not even work for the Delta variant. So, like, yeah, I mean, the, mis- really the misinformation, sense. like it's it's comical, but they never seem to, you know, uh, check it. It never causes any disruption. Even if, like, you have two different, like, Fauci disagrees with somebody else and that person comes out and says it, what you actually see after a few days is they homogenize their story, but they constantly beat the drum. Like, I beat the drum of Tiffany Dover. Tiffany Dover. Where is Tiffany Dover? We still want to know. You know, she's missing. She's gone. Hey, Tiffany, just show up on social media and say, remember when I passed out at the hospital on uh, December 29th? I'm fine. I'm okay. Here's a video of me holding today's paper. Yeah. I'm great, but she still hasn't done that. Done. She is, she she still has not done that. And what that leads me to believe is she really did die of a vaccine. And if she did die, would the family of this 12-year-old girl would they have gotten the vaccine? I don't think so. I don't think they would have. Exactly. We're into the heart inflammation in young men. Of course that's going to show up early. Um, young men who have had the vaccine um, are suffering from heart inflammation and blood clots. Um, Of course, that's going to show up early because young men are very cardiovascular, very active. But what we're not into is the clotting that's going to cause a lot of problems for people when they get injured, car injuries, things like that. We're not into the autoimmune deficiencies. And I would say that in about the six months, in in about the six month mark, so I would say probably about, not six month mark, nine month mark. Um, I would say probably about September, October, you're going to see the fertility problems. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, obviously there have been some already, but you mean like way more widespread. Yeah. yeah. I think so. so we're, we're, we're just beginning to get into the host of illnesses. And I think they know that those reports are coming out because there are a lot of honest doctors who are, of course, being silenced by big tech, of course, getting the tech warnings, of course, having their videos taken down. These things are like these are not stupid people. These are honest people in pursuit of science as a means of investigation, not a pseudo religion. And they're being science. They're being silenced. Does that not tell you something? Yeah. So, of course, these things are happening. But I think we're about to get into where it really does begin to come apart. 
and they seem to want to reach some tipping point of vaccination where, haha, it's too late. And I think they're going to tell people at that point, hey, guess what? You are technically transhuman now. And what you're going to see is people who are vaccinated, they're going to flip sides and they're going to be, okay, I'm on that side now and I want everybody to be as foolish as I have been. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we have another point. Yeah. Um, number nine. The quote, vaccines are not safe and are killing an incredibly high number of people, but there is media silence on this. This is because they serve another purpose entirely than, quote, saving lives. Number 10, there is a magnetic component in the vaccines. The manufacturers are not offering any explanation. This smacks of a cover-up of something which could very well be sinister. See, that's a really interesting thing. Um, I'm not ready to go there yet. Because I haven't seen enough evidence and I'm not blind. I'm not, you know, I'm not right. there. It's like with Trump. There were things I liked about Trump. There were things I didn't like about Trump. I'm not as stupid as the other side constantly tries. I'm not a cult member. No. And we're not going to try to like you know, lie to make our side look good yeah. or whatever. But the magnetic resonance thing is it's a trick people can do. So I know that you could have videos where people do it and it's a trick and people love to do stuff like that on the internet. Having said that, there is enough of a consensus that people are saying these things. So why don't we investigate it? Why don't we have a conversation about it? Why don't we look into it? No, all those videos have to be silenced. All those people who might be saying anything, they're crazy. You know, like, I think what everybody needs to do is whenever the left says something needs to be silenced, someone is crazy, we're going to call them a name. What we all need to do is full stop. Let's listen to that person. Mm -hmm. Let's investigate. Let's use reason. Let's listen with our ears. Let's ask questions. But really, you know, from an intelligence standpoint, as in gathering intelligence, whenever the left says there's nothing here to see, that probably tells you there's something there to see. Yep. So the magnetic resonance thing is is interesting. Um, uh, how could I apply that to why that would be relevant? Well, you know, uh, magnetic resonance would be big for tracking. Yeah. Yeah. And there is another factor that would help with tracking theoretically, I think. I don't know a lot about it, but I do know I have looked into this. I do believe this is a fact that they contain an ingredient called luciferase, which is already like, what? That sounds creepy. That sounds like Lucifer, which it is. So, um, like, the word is derived from the same thing because, because it basically means it means like bio, it has like bioluminescence. bioluminescence. And, and, and the guy decided to call it luciferase, light bringer. Those Angel kinds of, of light, things, you know, and so, again, yeah. it's weird. And on the guy's part, it was probably uh, he thought it was being arch as in like, look how, you know, I could mess with people by naming this. But then again, in the grand perspective, but I think it's the little... name for that thing has been around longer than this vaccine, right? Like, no, I'm just saying the guy who originally discovered the property, right. he probably thought, uh, well, I'm going to poke the eye of the creationists. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and lo and behold, here it is. Yeah. So whose eyes getting poked? And so how would that factor into tracking? I mean... Well, you need, you know, uh, basically all navigation within the world is based on magnetism. So when we fly airplanes, like I do, used to, um, you're going to you use, you know, a compass, a compass to fly. A compass operates on the principle of magnetism. Mm. And you also have compass deviation because there is a giant magnetic spot uh, below the North Pole that you have to account for deviation and things like that. So you use magnetism to do tracking and tracing to geosync, all those kinds of things. 
Um, it's a great way, you know, instead of having radar or sensors or LIDAR, things that use sensor sweeps, magnetism is a great way to find out where someone is. That's true, but then the bioluminescence part, the how bio, does that work? The bioluminescence, I think, is for marking. Yeah, because... And that's the interesting thing, because the bio, the luciferians in the bioluminescent... The bio, bioluminescent luciferians that are supposedly in the vaccine leave a a mark when someone has been injected and through black light you can actually see that that's mark. what i thought it was black light that they can see yeah. that so you. now why would you want to do that well right now they're telling everybody you can come into this business and not wear a mask if you've been vaccinated and people like us are being like hey i've been vaccinated no worries there everybody <laughs> Because um, we have a lot of vaccines. Yeah, but what we're eventually going to, one of the intermediate steps between having a vaccine passport or maybe even the vaccine passport itself is to use black light to check the bioluminescent marker. Yeah, I think so. So I think that's kind of it on that one. Yeah. I'm, so what I would say is take that with a grain of salt because we're not the left. We're not Pravda. We're not MSNBC. We're not CNN. It's just like... As someone said about the podcast, it's a casual, hip, groovy, relaxed coffee cafe conversation. They didn't say all those things, but, but that, like, they in feel my like dreams, I said that. It really is just yeah. like listening to two people sit down and talk yeah. like totally naturally, and it's like, yep, that's what that that's, is what it is. This is like not. This serious. is how we this talk. <laughs> Sometimes we do inappropriate voices. Mainly by we, you mean you. <laughs> well. Ching Chong the Laundry Man is lovable. I like him, yeah. He's great. I love him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's the, the, I would just say, your mileage may vary. Those are things to consider. Let's talk about it in the comments. I love the comments from yesterday. That was a great discussion. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't think this is about a vaccine. I guess I could say that. I don't think this is about saving you from COVID. Um, like I said, at the minimum... It was the left taking advantage of an opportunity at the maximum, you know, according to this this guy's 10 points, it does seem to have been a planned release. It does seem to use tech and big pharma to accomplish these ends. You know, what's it all for? What's, I don't know. But we, we know we're losing our freedoms. We know Tucker Carlson uh, got up and talked about being, you know, got a pretty good inside NSA source that says they're literally looking at your texts. Now, why would they be doing that? Well, they, they know something's coming. They know some big information is coming, and they want to be out in front of it. They know that Tucker's doing some kind of investigation. My feeling is the thing that they're probably most afraid of are the audits. Mm-hmm. They know that's going to flip stuff, or that there will be breaking news on what really happened with the vaccine, that it was a planned release, that there is a cabal. There's something that they're afraid of, and they're watching for it specifically. What will happen after that? I think that you will see a major incident. It could be the political assassinations. Whatever it is, it's going to move us to martial law, and it's going to be the last of our eroded freedoms. The big question at that point is, you know, do we fight back? Do we resist? I think we all have those powers. I think we have them on a state level, but at the end of the day, we have a lot of Americans who hate America. We have a lot of people who claim to love America, but really they're for tyranny. Uh, they hate their fellow Americans. They're interested in the football aspect. I'm not interested in football politics. I'm not interested in my team winning. I'm interested in truth. 
I'm interested in democracy. I'm interested in the, the constitutional rights that I've been given from God, not by government. And I'm pretty much made up my mind that that's how I'm going to live my life. And if you're going to try to take those rights from me, then, oh, hey, cool, FBI, pay attention to this statement. I'm probably going to expend my life to maintain my rights because I'm not interested in a life where I don't have my God-given rights. That's no kind of life either. Having said that, there are political pundits who weren't at the January 6th, uh, quote-unquote, you know, let's all make Dr. Evil quoted fingers, Insurrection Day. Can you do the voice, too? (laughs) Insurrection Day. (laughs) I don't know what you'd call it. I think the French call it an I don't... What's the line? What the French like to call an I don't know what. (laughs) (laughs) What the French like to call an oh, I don't know what, Scott. Um, Dr. Evil, why didn't Mike Myers make more movies? It's a big question. Yeah. So uh, I don't think that's any kind of life that you want to have. And I think it is within our abilities. I think think the culture is shifting. I think people are waking up. I think the red pills are going. We listened to a lady last night on Tim Pool who didn't vote for Trump and was a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, celebrity Democrat, till 2020. And now she is... She'd call herself black-pilled, but she's really red-pilled. But, you know, uh, the jig is up, and I think they know that. And I think that's why they're in Tucker Carlson's tweets and texts. I think they're in ours. I think they're calling journalists, you know, saying, hey, this is the FBI, and we'd like to talk about what you're talking about. That's pure intimidation. That's pure terrorism. Mm -hmm. That is government terrorism. And the only response that you should ever give to the FBI is go F yourself. Uh, I don't know if you know this, don't ever talk to the FBI. Never, don't answer any question, don't try to get anything out of them, blah, 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 don't explain yourself, just get a lawyer and shut up. Because the DOJ and the FBI and the NSA are playing some kind of game. And you go back to the DIA, keeping the intel, the Chinese asset away from them, saying that the DOJ is compromised. That kind of tells you everything. I don't know how this is going to shake out, but if the FBI calls you up and tries to freak you out, don't say anything. Tell them to go F themselves. And, you know, if they're, if they, if you're going to end up in the gulag, you don't need to have ended up, had, you don't need to have done anything to end up there. You're just going to end up there. That's mm-hmm. sort of the game. We are in a terror state now. This is, this is rapidly approaching this is a civil war. It's rapidly approaching a hot civil war. It is a cold civil war now. There are aspects in the informational aspect and the economic aspect that are definitely hot. Um, we are not kinetically hot, and boy, I hope we don't go there. But the the final line, I think, for every American and whatever side you're on, and if you're not on my side, I really wish you would just kind of wake up and just realize, like, I'm not fighting for my side. I'm fighting... And I think all of us are fighting and should be fighting for our constitutional God-given rights. Whether you believe in God or not, those rights are your assets. Don't give them up just because you want to get, just because you want to dunk on the MAGA crowd. Don't, don't give those up. They're so valuable. Like think of them like more expensive than Bitcoin. And there's a massive investment in those rights. Don't give up your rights to speech, to guns, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to not having an Orwellian totalitarian overstate reading your DMs because you may think it's cool because your side is winning and the other side is getting dunked on. 
one day it'll be your side that's getting dunked on and it may not even be the other side that's getting dunked on it's just you're not left enough because in the end if this continues you will have to be left of the leftmost person not to end up being the victim of the state you don't want to go to that nightmare you don't it's better to go back to having your constitutional rights so so don't give up on those so let's have a conversation let's do it in the comments and let's just say what we got to say inform me i love to learn from you me too and i think uh maybe next time there were like a few um random questions here and there yeah in the great comments questions. and i kind of tried to like note them down give me one question maybe okay i think the first one like that that i noticed in all the right last couple days let me put on my question hat okay we're really looks a little like tinfoil we're really switching gears here switching gears here we're getting away from all the crazy stuff the conspiracy stuff okay now Okay. On a side note, you mentioned that Strange Company was a tragedy, how it doesn't have a happy ending. Since we as Christians are instructed to look toward that blessed hope of Jesus Christ, how can a Christian properly participate creatively in tragedy? And then there were even some interesting answers. So that was from Tom KP. Kenneth Hall had an interesting answer about, um, you would understand this, about Turin, son of Hurin. I don't know if I'm saying those right. Mm -hmm. Turin, son of Hurin. That didn't get a happy ending in the children of Hurin. That's part of the uh, Lord of the Rings thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then he says, at least not at this time. I think there's something in the history of Middle Earth that says in the Dagor Dagorath, the final battle at the end of the world, Turin will become the one to slay the returned Morgoth. I think he's saying like sometimes there can be like not a happy ending, but then mm -hmm. later in the whole grand scheme there is. Yeah. So I don't know. I wondered what your thoughts were on that. Well, I mean, I don't see any problem for a Christian writing a tragedy. I mean, the Bible's filled with tragedy. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes that tragedy can be beautiful. A really quick, simple sketch could be the warlord who went out and promised God that he would give whatever game out of his house as a sacrifice if he would let him defeat his enemies in battle. And he defeated his enemies in battle, and he came home, and the first thing that came out of his house was... His young virgin daughter... Yeah, and that was sad, and, and she was sacrificed. I think there are some arguments about that story and what the term of the meaning sacrifice meant. I think it meant maybe that she not she never got married, and she had to kind of give that up, and she had to be consecrated to God. I don't know that it was necessarily like, you know, she got her heart ripped out or whatever it is, but I think that the lesson of that story is don't make rash vows. Mm -hmm. You know, let, let God do what he's going to do in your life, because whatever God does... It's going to be for the best. So um, I think tragedies are something we learn from. And then the beauty of the tragedy is that sometimes um, you can find real nobility sort of refined in the fire of tragedy. Like, like tragedy reveals character. Um, pressure, uh, discomfort, uh, the hardest times in your life are what make for the best character building. And of course, in a novel, it makes for the best character building. And I think... Sometimes the Christian crowd can go a little too down the, you know, um, and before they went on the, you know, battle raid, they all prayed and then it all worked out like life isn't always, you know, Johnny Jesus, you know, like sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is messy. Um, sort of the family friendly movies maybe just go a little too much into the saccharine, you know, uh, and then there was a miracle and it all got solved. And I, and I like those. Those are nice. But that's not real life. And, and miracles, uh, you know, Christ talked about miracles. 
And and he said, you know, even if you had miracles, you wouldn't believe. That's that's not what it's about. And so I wonder sometimes when authors have to put miracles in their story to kind of to kind of finish it up and everything like that, because that's not that's not really Christianity. Um, the miracle, the real miracle of Christianity is the fact that you're wicked and that you're a, a sinner and you deserve what you, you deserve. But God loves you and he's willing to take your place on the cross and and he does that out of nothing but love and mercy and grace and there's nothing you can do to earn that and yet it's your gift and and he wants that unknown caller he wants that uh that relationship it was like divine it was like a thing yeah <laughs> so 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 i have no i i kind of didn't understand the question i mean it's a good question but um Maybe maybe they're thinking like tragedy is so dark and things like that. No, I, I still think you can have a positive message in tragedy. I think what the tragedy really is a lot of the time is is the characters are going to go down fighting for the right thing, but it's still going to end badly. But I think in the case of Strange Company, um, I think sometimes like in the, I, I tend towards the more Shakespearean in tragedies where the tragedies are sort of your own making, even if it's the right thing. A lot of the, and I think what we'll see in book two is is um, uh, strange company sets out to do the right thing, but there's some bad motivation. And so that motivation is ultimately going to lead them to their own destruction. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that kind of resolves, but you know, they're soldiers and there's an honor and nobility in that. And they're going to be confronted with a very difficult task and they're going to do the right thing. But still at the end of the day, I think there's an obsession among one of them in particular and that obsession will ultimately lead the company into a very bad place yeah so it's still like can sometimes be a good you can still kind of teach good lessons i guess you would say yeah. in that like maybe sometimes it's here's why you don't become morally bankrupt or whatever like i don't know that you're like trying to preach sermons in your books but i'm just saying no i don't you can i just still try to learn stuff yeah. from from you know darker books well, too maybe here's the deal i just try to entertain and mm. i just try to write the right thing but i always try to write the truth yeah and you can always i don't make stuff up like the left will make up social justice stuff like and then the 110 pound girl beat the hell out of the squad of death commando marines you know uh with her karate kicks and flying knives like that your your being is bad as a kurt cameron miracle movie mm-hmm. when you do that that's not the truth so I always try to write the truth, and I think we can always learn from the truth, and 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 then that that's a that's a good story that makes you walk away and think about some things, and I think that the thing that you learn from a tragedy is you learn what not to do, and you also learn what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Do, uh, should we do any other ones or save them for? next episode let's save a question in episode and we'll come back tomorrow and talk some more if people want us to mm-hmm. that sounds good uh, we're getting some things together i always ask you to subscribe you've heard it subscribe or don't subscribe we'd love it if you'd support the channel that that keeps us here in coffee and russian tea cakes we love you and we'll talk to you tomorrow that is the podcast